Chapter Four of One Commonplace Day by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: Things Hard to Explain. Mildred's eyes grew thoughtful. This was a new phase of life to her and must be studied. But Fanny, she said again, I don't think I understand. I am a stranger and will have to be introduced. Does that seem a trial to you? Fanny laughed, though there was not much sound of mirth in the laughter. I don't believe you are such a little goose as you pretend, she said. Why can't you understand, by instinct, what is beyond my powers of explanation? Kate is all very well, and I like her, and am glad she has a chance to stay in a respectable home. I am glad for her sake and for mine. If she were not here to wash the dishes and set the tables, I should have it all to do. I don't respect her any less because she is at work for her board. In fact, I think a great deal more of her than I should if she had been willing to fold her hands at home and cry over her misery. But there are people in the world who do not feel so, and if your big eyes have not found that out before, it is time they did. I know as well as I want to know that there will be people at that picnic today who would not speak to Kate if I introduced her and others who would speak so coldly that if I were the victim I would rather they would not speak at all, and others who will be pleasant enough to her face, but who will say at the first opportunity that it was rather queer in Fanny Copeland to thrust that Hartzell girl into the company. She doesn't belong to our set. And I know just how they will curl their noses all up in little wrinkles. I tell you I hate to go through with it. What is the use in pretending ignorance? You know just as well as I do that to introduce Kate Hartzell, who washes dishes for her board in my mother's kitchen, and to introduce Mildred Powers, whose father was Judge Powers of Washington, are two different things. Yes, said Mildred slowly, her fair cheeks flushing a little. I can see how a thing of this sort might be hard under certain circumstances, that is, for me. I shouldn't think it would be for you, Fanny. You seem to have more independence of character than most girls. But then, if your mother wishes it— Yes, said Fanny decidedly. She wishes it, thinks I owe it to Kate to show her so much kindness. And I shall do it, I suppose, or do at it. But I don't pretend to be independent, not about such things at least. I don't like it at all, and I see endless embarrassments in the way. I wish the day were done. And now I really hope that I have succeeded in introducing to your notice the various persons who attended that picnic on that October afternoon. I mean the persons in whom you are requested to be especially interested. Those who went were really numbered by the hundreds, and some of them you will doubtless meet more or less frequently. But these few whom I have selected from the crowd had their life story curiously interwoven that afternoon, and none of them were less aware of it than the parties themselves. The day was a perfect autumn one, crisp, you will remember, in the morning, bright and cool all day, though not too cool for the fairest of summer dresses, pure white. The picnic party reveled in them that day, the more lavishly, perhaps, because the autumn leaves with which many of them were glorified, said that the time of such attire was short. 
the days were hastening when the grey old earth would assert her claim to white robes and bury the autumn leaves so deep that they would lose their glorious tints and crumble into dust the party from the copeland home had managed the preliminaries fairly well and succeeded in reaching the picnic ground in an amicable state of mind mildred was dressed and waiting in the neat little parlour when charlie lambert arrived it was mrs copeland who had introduced the two but it was fanny copeland who had gaily explained to the gentleman in the morning just who her guest was she is judge powers's daughter yes i mean the great judge powers of washington you didn't know his daughter was my best friend at school did you perhaps i'll be a lawyer first charlie lambert she ought to have inherited some of her father's knowledge she has his ponderous old books stored in the room next to hers and goes there sometimes to cry over them and wish she could see him studying them again she told me all about it she almost worshipped her father no she is the only child the son died i believe i know mildred had a brother but he must have died when he was a child you ought to feel yourself highly honoured you will be the first of my friends to meet her so charlie presented himself in due time in careful costume prepared to do honour to the honour bestowed on him mildred in white robes and blue ribbons looked fair enough for the perfect day and they sat and chatted the gentleman in no wise disturbed that fanny was tardy in making her appearance when during the next few minutes kate came into the room sent by fanny to ask some important question of mildred it was mildred's quiet voice who said mr lambert miss hartzell and katie bowed quietly and in her freshly laundried dress looked pretty enough for the occasion what mattered it that the dress was only an eight-cent print the tiny blue dot sprinkled all over it seemed to make the white of the groundwork gleam whiter still it was made with the neatness and care which some girls bestow on costlier fabrics and became her well certainly charlie lambert neither knew nor cared that it was not such a dress as the most of his set would approve he did not know who she was i do not think it would have made the least difference with his bow if he had known there were some things about which charlie lambert was not silly the walk to the depot was also pleasantly accomplished mildred linked her arm in kate's before they were fairly off the piazza leaving charlie free to bestow his attentions on fanny by this arrangement he could carry on a bantering conversation with fanny in the effervescent way in which he was apt to converse and draw mildred constantly into the talk by appealing to her for advice or confirmation it did not in the least disturb him that there was another nice-looking girl added to his company he did not trouble himself to inquire who her father was or where she came from it was enough that she was pretty and neat and knew how to put in a bright word occasionally though for the most part kate maintained a discreet silence she was on new ground and meant to feel her way it was between four and five o'clock that by a sort of common consent the large company of pleasure-seekers who thronged the grounds that day began to gather in little congenial groups and dispose themselves comfortably to enjoy the coliation baskets were being opened and delicate sandwiches and puffy biscuits and plates of chicken and jars of pickles began to make their appearance 
circling under the branches of one of the largest old trees that crowned the cliff in convenient nearness to one of the great flat stones which was to do duty as a table gathered a group which partly by accident and partly by design were to make one circle during refreshments the central figure was mr durant the gentleman in whose honour the picnic first had its birth he was a fine-looking well-built man hardly having reached the prime of life as yet indeed there were constantly conflicting opinions as to his age some asserting that he could not be thirty yet and others equally certain that he was at least thirty-five however that might be he was undoubtedly a man fitted to command attention even though he had not been known as one who drew crowded houses night after night on his favourite theme the people of eastwood had never been so fortunate as to hear him speak but they had heard of him and considered their town highly honoured in having him as its guest for two days of his vacation mr cleveland his friend and host who sat just opposite him leaning one arm on the stone table on his left deserves more of an introduction than he has received the truth is eastwood itself was not very well acquainted with mr cleveland he was comparatively a newcomer he had bought a fine old place just in the outskirts of the town had made certain much-needed improvements in it and had settled his mother there as its mistress and seemed to make it his headquarters eastwood was divided as to what mr cleveland's business was some believed that he was a travelling salesman for a wholesale house in boston others that he had an interest in certain iron mines in the western part of the country and still others thought that he was a gentleman of leisure and travelled for pleasure and improvement however that may be he certainly travelled a great deal not having spent two consecutive weeks in his new home since he moved to it in the spring the verdict of society at eastwood was that he was fine-looking well-educated probably aristocratic and a trifle exclusive if fanny copeland had told all which was passing in her mind in the morning she would have admitted that it was this gentleman's opinion of her attempt at mixing society by bringing kate hartzell in her train which had troubled her she had met mr cleveland and admired his fine eyes and grave smile as did most of the other young ladies and had a general desire to stand well in his estimation it would be a trial to her to have him think that old hartzell's daughter was her friend and companion she sat quite near to him at this moment and he had just plucked the daintiest little fern and passed it to her with a remark on its delicate veining and a hint that it contrasted well with the autumn leaves at her breast and she with a little flush on her face had added it to the bouquet and felt improved in every way miss hannah wainwright was also of this company and sat bolt upright on an uncompromising stump without the aid of supporting branches she had really been the first to seat herself and the company had gradually gathered about her mr cleveland sauntering along the stream with his friend had spied her and said durant let us take a seat up there and wait for supper i see my friend miss wainwright has settled herself as though she meant to stay for some time and i want you to hear her talk a moment after came charlie lambert springing skilfully over a fallen tree that impeded his path and making a passable following for fanny copeland let's go up there he said 
they are getting ready for supper, and if there is anything better in a crowd than Auntie Wainwright can produce out of her great brown basket, I shall be astonished. You never tasted such sandwiches as she can make, Miss Powers. He had glanced, as he spoke, at the couple coming more slowly behind them. It was Mildred and Lloyd McLean. He had come to the picnic after all. It was an accident, he said laughing, coming up panting, and swinging himself on the train after it was in motion, stopping before Charlie Lambert as the first one whom he recognized. Where is Bruce? Have you seen anything of him? I told him I wasn't going, and at the eleventh hour I found that two of the clerks, who expected to be away, had changed their plans, so that gave me my freedom. Who are all here? I have made no plans and have no friends. Somebody will have to take me in. I am afraid Bruce did not go. He said he wouldn't. But I could have coaxed him into it if I could have found him. How do you do, Miss Copeland? Can't you take pity on the unfortunate and smuggle me into some circle? I don't belong anywhere. He looked bright enough and fascinating enough to belong anywhere. Fanny, to whom a new face was pleasant, and who had known Charlie Lambert all her life, would have had not the slightest objection to making a place beside herself for him if it could have been done, but Mildred had taken the lead the moment they boarded the train, motioning Kate to the seat by the window, and taking the vacant one beside her. They were just ahead of her now, and Mildred was talking in an animated tone, and Kate was listening, her face bright with pleasure. It was certainly very kind in Mildred to take so much pains for Kate Hartzell. Lloyd McLean's eyes followed hers and wondered who the two were. He determined to learn if he could. Lambert, where is somebody to introduce me to? I don't see a person in this car, save yourself and Miss Copeland, with whom I am sufficiently acquainted to speak. I shall have to throw myself off the train if there is no place where I will fit in. Fanny Copeland laughed, and resolved to keep this merry young man in their train if she could. I will introduce you, she said, leaning forward, to my friend, Miss Powers of Washington, Mr. McLean. Mildred turned and gave her hand and her smile of greeting, and Mr. McLean, bowing his thanks, accepted the arm of Lambert's seat in lieu of a vacancy, and proceeded to make himself as entertaining as he could to this rarely pretty face. But Mildred had another introduction to make. "'Let me introduce Miss Hartzell, Mr. McLean.' Fanny, listening, felt her face clouding a little. Why did Mildred introduce her to everybody? She surely could not expect that, and Mr. McLean was a stranger. He might not like such general introductions." Charlie Lambert saw the shadowed face and searched for the cause. "'By the way, Fanny, who is that pretty little party with your friend? Her face looks rather familiar, but I cannot recollect having seen her before.' Fanny's lip curled a little. She could not help it. She was a good deal tried. "'You may have seen her a hundred times, but I don't suppose you recognized her as an acquaintance.' If Mildred introduced you, too, I should have thought you would have noticed the name. The name? Why, what was that? Hartzell? Why, Fanny, she has nothing in common with old Hartzell down on the flats, I suppose? You are certainly justified in supposing so, but for all that she is his daughter. 
Not old Joe Hartzell's daughter. Yes, just that. Charlie Lambert was a very well-bred young man. He paid some attention to the customs of polite society, and always wore faultless cravats of just the right shade, and was careful about his gloves, and his perfumes, and a dozen other little things. Nevertheless, he forgot himself, and gave vent to a whistle. A low one cut short suddenly. Fanny heard it, and it represented to her something of what society would think of her if she introduced old Joe Hartzell's daughter to it. Young Lambert hastened to recover himself. It doesn't seem possible that such a pretty, ladylike-looking girl can be a relative of that set. Where did you pick her up, Fanny? I didn't pick her up. Mother became interested in her because she seemed to try to learn her lesson in Sabbath school, and was quick to take a hint. She was sorry for her, and made up her mind to try to help her. She is living at our house now, working for her board. She is a nice good girl. Fanny hurried through the story, her color deepening as she talked. Kate should have utmost justice at her hands, but it was hard to think that she must introduce her. End of chapter 4